And our Easter picnic is going to be Sunday, the, the 10th, after our service at Ralph Clark over in, I believe it's considered Fullerton, but over there off of Rosecrans. And you'll hear more about that on Sunday. But tonight, we're just going to get into the Word of God. You know, God will disrupt our, our, our program, but I'm grateful. I just want Him to have His way. So I'm going to get right into this tonight. And in Psalms chapter 34... I want to read a portion of scripture. Thank you, Jesus. Thank God for bold print. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Psalms 34, verse 11 says, Come, ye children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is he that desireth life and loveth good days that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Let's pray. Father, I ask your blessing upon this time in the word. Help me to quickly, Father God, make my point tonight. And Lord, uh, minister to this congregation and we'll give you all the glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, I'm simply preaching or teaching tonight on the tongue. Now, I want to, before I go any further, say that when we usually teach on the tongue, we usually go out of James and, and we begin to talk about how that the tongue is like a, a horse that needs to be bridled and like a ship that has the little rudder. It's that controlling thing and how that little spark can, can bring up a great big fire, a forest fire with a little bit of thing that we say. In other words, that tongue is full of poison. It's full of, of, of deadly, you know, possibility, but it's also full of life. It can be full of life. It could go either way. But normally I teach on that in the negative uh, part of it, you know, dealing with how we talk about people and we say things. And I'm going to get into that maybe, not maybe, but later on, because I know there's going to be a few messages that I'm going to preach on this. I'm not going to do a series, but there's going to be a few messages, I'm sure, that I'm going to teach on this because it's more than just that which is done in the negative or done as sin when people speak. There's so much more wrapped up in this tongue. I want you to think about it tonight. And so I'm speaking on the tongue, and I felt this direction in prayer, and then even greater as I studied, my goodness, I prayed, Lord, help me, amen, help me. Because life and death are in the power of the tongue. That's what it says in Proverbs 18, 21. Life and death are in the power. Uh, the power of life and death are in that tongue. Everything's in that tongue concerning our communication. But I, I wrote this down. Our destiny is in what we speak. Our destiny is in what we speak. You can speak negatively to your children and they're going to go a different direction than if you speak positively to them. If you tell them, I love you, and you know what, son? You're smart or daughter. You know, you're, you're, you're brilliant. You have a brilliant mind. And, you know, don't go down that road, but follow the Lord. If you begin to speak life to them and speak faith to them, they're going to go a, a whole different direction than if you look at them and say, you know, are you an idiot? Are you stupid? So destiny of other people is in your tongue. Life or death is in the tongue. Our destiny is in what we speak. God's blessing is in what we speak. And great destruction is in what we speak. We have seven openings in our head. We have two eyes. We have two ears. We have two nostrils and one mouth. It's not coincidence that we have seven 
orifices in our face. Seven is God's number for perfection. So your eyes can see and view things perfectly through Christ. <laughs> your ears can hear things and they can be a blessing to you. You can be complete with everything. You can see things rightly, hear things rightly. You can even sense things in a sense, smell things rightly. Amen. Because we discern through our smell too. And we can also speak rightly and be a blessing. Now, our Creator restricted us to only one mouth, thank God. I opened with Psalms 34 because there is great blessing and assurance and fruitfulness, fruitfulness connected to the fear of God. If you fear God, you're going to be very careful in, uh, about what you say and how you say it. There have been times with the fear of God that I've said things about somebody, even maybe a preacher, and the Spirit of God convicted me and said, you need to shut your mouth right now. Okay? I don't care what you think about them. I will deal with them. But if I've anointed them, you better not touch them. You better step back, buddy. So there's a great blessing and assurance and fruitfulness and protection connected to the fear of God. And when you fear God, you watch what you say. In verses 11 through 13, it says, Life and many good days go with the fear of the Lord. And where does the fear of the Lord begin? The first thing that he begins to talk about is what we say in our tongue. He said, keep, so keep thy tongue. All of that being said, verse 13, he says, So keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Where does the fear of the Lord begin? When you keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking guile or lies or falsehoods or being disingenuous. Amen? Um, it's all connected and cannot be any other way. Proverbs 13.3 says, He that keepeth his mouth keeps his life, but he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. That's a powerful scripture. Life or death is in that mouth, in that tongue. Our soul is our whole personality. It's the real you. <laughs> Amen? And it's where weakness is manifested and where Satan gains access first in that soul. That's why David said, Thou restoreth my soul. You've restored that part of me. You know, I know our spirit connects with God, but you've restored that part of me, you know, that can make decisions and that wills for God. You've restored that. You've restored every part of me. Amen? The way I think, my decisions, my desires. When God saves you, you have His desires. You don't have the world's desires. You don't have un the ungodly antichrist desires or viewpoints. Or You believe what God says about sin, about the world, about the devil, about things. Your whole countenance and everything about you, body, soul, and spirit is changed. Just as much as you bring that body and that flesh into alignment with what the Spirit of God says, that soul comes along with it. And I'm not going to get into all of that tonight. I don't have enough time. But I want to say to you this much. If we are to guard our soul, Guard our soul because what the devil wants to do is he wants to get down deep in that soul and he wants to make you do things that God doesn't never called you to do, never called you to be. 
You know, that's, that's where they get that terminology, soul ties. You know, it's like Solomon, not Solomon, Samson. Samson had a soul tie to Delilah. Amen. And the soul tie became so strong at some point in his life, he gave it all up for her. Don't tell me that devil doesn't have soul ties with people. He does. And that's what takes place in lives. God wants us to understand that if we're to guard our soul, if we're to guard that spiritual life, the first thing that has to happen is you got to be careful about that mouth because everything you speak has consequences, good or bad. So if we're going to guard our soul, we must guard our lips or we're going to come to ruin. That's what the Scripture says here in Proverbs 13.3. And I'll read it one more time. He that keepeth his mouth keeps his life. But he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. Solomon spoke much along these lines. In Proverbs 21 verse 23, he said, Whosoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps his soul from troubles. (laughs) Keeps his soul from calamities and troubles. If you keep your mouth, if you keep your tongue, there is safety in guarding your tongue. And we will teach more on this as we go down the road uh, in the next few weeks. And I'm preaching this off and on. But we're going to teach more on this. But as I said, your destiny, even salvation is wrapped up in what you speak. Because did not the Bible say in Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ, He died, He rose from the grave, if you confess Him with your mouth, believe that in your heart, salvation is yours. Amen? He does something through that confession from your mouth. When you say, Jesus, save me. He says He's confessed with His mouth what's coming from His heart. (laughs) So, Our destiny, even salvation. I know when you talk about destiny, we talk about things that are ahead of us in concerning our life here upon this earth. But the most important destiny that we have is the one that we have in salvation through Christ Jesus. We were predestined to come to Christ. We were predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. And so our destiny is wrapped up in what we speak and what we confess. Other people's destinies are wrapped up in, in, in what they speak. Your children. Amen. I can tell you, you, there have been times people have come up to me and they've spoken things to me that were an encouragement to me. There were times that I thought, Lord, nobody's hearing what I'm saying. Nobody cares. Nobody wants to hear me. And I just felt that low. The devil screamed in my ear on Monday morning. You're done. You're a has-been. Nobody wants to hear you. Nobody wants to hear you sing. Nobody. And I I'll be dwelling on that. But somebody will send me a text or somebody will send me a word of encouragement. Pastor, that was the best message you've ever preached. It ministered to me so much. It changed the trajectory of my life. And church, that is an encouragement to me that keeps me going down the road of encouragement to preach the gospel to you. Because what I thought was true Or what I was, I shouldn't say thought was true, but the devil was trying to convince me was true. God proved to me through the testimony of somebody else that it was a lie. 
Yeah, the devil tells lies. He's the father of all of them. But you and I are touched by God and we speak life to somebody and it's an encouragement to them. And just whenever somebody was about ready to quit and I wasn't about ready to quit. But just whenever they were that low, somebody came and spoke life to them. Let me tell you something. I'm telling you. Your destiny, others' destinies, and even God's sore displeasure with us and anger towards people. And yes, we'll get into it another day. But, uh, you know, even the Bible says that all liars will have their part in the lake of fire. <laughs> Amen. The seven things that God hates, one of them is a lying tongue. And the other one is, is those that sow discord among the body. Hallelujah. All of these are consequences of the tongue. I was just reading and studying tonight. And I shouldn't give this, but you might not remember it the next time I preach. So I'll just go ahead and say it. But I was reading about how Joshua and Caleb were the only two of the 12 spies that spoke in faith, that spoke their destiny. And guess what? They're the only two that went into the promised land. The other 10, I can tell you, they died in the, in the wilderness like the rest of the children of Israel that came out of Egypt. What I'm speaking to you is that destiny is spoken as you begin to say things, as you begin to proclaim things, as you begin to pray things. She began to speak things. Amen. And it was proven with Joshua and Caleb. They said, we are able. And the ten said, we're not able. They said, we can take it. They said, we can't take it. And whatever they spoke came to pass. Whoever they were, it came to pass. Well, what am I saying to you? God spoke very harshly about the children of Israel, that they died. Their carcasses, he said, died in that wilderness because of their unbelief. They never entered into the promised land. So there's a lot wrapped up in the tongue. And we will deal with the gossip and all of that stuff, you know, another time. But Rob, Proverbs 15 and 4 says this, because I want you to get in your spirit tonight the possibility that there is... There is this great possibility in what I speak. There can be negativity and damage and destruction. But there can be possibility of life and hope and, and help and strength and joy. Amen. According to what you pray and what you speak. But in Proverbs 15.4 it says this. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. But perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. A wholesome tongue. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. In the King James Version, a wholesome tongue in the Strong's means a soothing tongue, a curative or a curing tongue, a medicine or a medicinal tongue, a therapeutic and a healing tongue. I can tell you some people in the church, they don't need healing from some terminal disease. They need their tongue to be healed. That's why God fills people with the Holy Ghost and they speak in tongues because they need their tongue to be sanctified. It isn't, ooh, hallelujah. 
It isn't as much that God wants you to speak in an unknown tongue. He wants to have control over your tongue. He wants to possess your tongue. Woo! Oh, to make you Pentecostal shout. Amen. That's why we want you to get filled with the Holy Ghost. That's why God wants you filled with the Holy Ghost. Because you'll speak with new tongues, but you'll speak differently. You'll talk nice to people you used to couldn't stand. Amen. You won't cuss a blue streak. You'll begin to speak life to somebody. Come on. <laughs> Amen. You won't kick them when they're down. You'll tell them there's hope. Get up. Come on. I'm going to help you. But a wholesome tongue is a healing tongue. A tongue that's healed. In short, it's a healed tongue. And a healed tongue speaks healing and life. Freshness and strength and life. Yet perverseness is distorted truth. Deeply wounds another spirit. A, a perverse tongue will deeply wound another person's spirit. Let that sink in. People, a lot of times, they, don't, they will not remember the nice things you said to them. But they will never forget the bad things you said to them. Amen. Somebody in my life said something to me, and I would never mention their name. Very, very influential in my life. One time I told him something that I had as a young person. I was maybe a teenager in my heart. I told him something that I wanted to do. And they said, you'll never make it. And you know what? I didn't in that arena. But God said, when you come to Christ, you will sing for me. You will glorify me. And you will make it in the kingdom. Amen. I'm going to use what you, what, and I, I just made that statement to say unto you that, that the, power of, uh, the power of life and death is in that tongue. And, you know, a wholesome tongue is healing. And perverse, perverseness, will, and that's distorted truth, deeply wounds another spirit. We seek to be filled, but we have leaks. And we leak out our tongue. I heard of a preacher one time that laid hands, an evangelist laid hands on somebody to be filled. And the pastor of the church was sitting over to the left. That's why the evangelist and the pastor, they need to talk a little bit. That evangelist laid hands upon that lady. And he said, God, fill her with the Holy Ghost. And that quick, the pastor said, oh, please. He said, she leaks. He said, pastor, that's terrible. Let me tell you something. The greatest atrocity and tragedy is not the person out there in that world that's a drug addict and living like, like an ungodly person doing great damage in the world. The greatest damage is done when somebody says they're filled with the Holy Ghost and they don't act like it. They don't talk like it. They don't live like it. That's the greatest tragedy. Worse than all the sin and murder and everything that goes on in the world is a misrepresentation of our God and the God of this Bible. Because what you're doing is you're sending a mixed message to a world or people that are not right with God. That that's, they, they equate you with Jesus. You understand? 
So we don't contain the blessing like we're supposed to. We need to ask God, Lord, help to shut my mouth so that I contain this thing. Because this is my outlet. This is my spigot. Amen. You know, people say, why do people get up there and shake? I said, they're so full of God. You ever seen a hose that was just flopping around because of the power? Whoo! It's all right. That doesn't bother me. I'm all right with that. I just know it's the Spirit of God. Sometimes I get that. You know, you know the, the, the Friends Church, believe it or not, the Friends were the Quakers. You know, the Quaker on the oatmeal Quaker? The Puritan Quaker? They got their name because they shook under the power of God. You got all these Friends Churches and I don't know if they still shake under the power of God, but they were Quakers before they were friends churches. Okay, that's, I know, that's their history. I know that from, from Bible church history. But Quakers shook under the power of God. Amen. We ought to shake under the power of God to the degree that it shakes us to the very core of our being so that we walk right with God and we have a fear of God. Amen. So we, ha- we need to contain what the Spirit of God has put in us or we allow the flesh to destroy what God just edified us in. Amen. I know people that have gotten touched in an altar by the time they got out there to the car, whether it was a spouse or somebody in the church or a child, but somebody said something to them and just poked a hole and everything leaked out. Amen. You got to, you, you, and because I'm telling you, people can say things and, and we can say things in response. I, I've learned a phrase and I say this often. I said, you know what? I'm going to dismiss myself from this conversation. What? What kind of an answer is that? It's a neutral answer. I'm not going to say anything. Okay. Now, if I need to say something that is truth and I need to say something that God tells me to say, I'm going to say it. I'm not afraid to say things. What I am going to say to you is when people begin to start saying things that God begins to tell me, don't go there. Don't go down that road. Your ears are not trash cans. You're not the trash man. You bring life. Not taking everybody's death and past and everything else. Are you hearing me? Satan will try this almost always first. He'll work on you with your kids, your spouse, or some person outside of your circle maybe or an ungodly person but you got to know I've got to keep this tongue God will give me the power to keep this tongue because it is the outlet and the spigot for everything and it can build up or can tear down or it can cause me to drain through just leaking idle leaking of things that don't need to even be said I tell you, I've talked before. I come for prayer and talk, and the Lord was like, "You need to go back in there and fill up again, because you just, you just, you, you just talked carnally. You didn't even." And I thought, "Lord, I, I just, we got to be wise, and don't look at me like you ain't never done that." Amen. We all have, you know. But did you ever wonder why the doctor looks at your tongue? He says, "Open up. Let me see inside." Ah. They've done that for years. You know why? Your tongue and the natural tells everything about your health. A pink tongue is a normal and healthy tongue. A red, red tongue indicates fever or inflammation. A reddish purple tongue, infection. A pale pink tongue means there's a vitamin deficiency or a weak immunity system or lack of energy. A white tongue 
means there's a bacteria or an overgrowth of candida yeast that's in your system. Look it up on Google. Look it up on any WebMD or anything. That tongue tells everything about your health and what's going on with you. And the great physician says, stick out your tongue. And we go, ah, and he goes, yeah, ain't very healthy. Amen. Need to clean that thing. In the spiritual, the tongue tells us what God sees. And He sees exactly what's wrong with us. In Matthew chapter 12, turn there with me. Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12, verse 33. Jesus said, when you get there, say amen. Matthew 12, 33 said, Either make the tree good or his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by his fruit. O generation of vipers, Jesus said, How can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. People say, I didn't mean to say that. Well, it came from somewhere. The tree is... Well, let me not get ahead of myself. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, listen to this, church, every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by the, thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. And over in Matthew 7, I'm just going to read it real quick, 17. It says, Even so every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree brings forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. So, what does that say to us? What we learn in, is that the heart is the tree, and the fruit is what comes from your tongue. Because out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So the heart is the tree, the fruit is what you speak from your tongue. Don't be deceived. The, the tongue tells everything, whether it's spiritual or carnal. Amen? The greatest example is Jesus of a pure, sanctified, wholesome tongue. He never reviled when they reviled against Him. And the psalmist David speaks very beautifully of Jesus and of our great Messiah in Psalms 45. Verses 1 and 2, he said, My heart is indicting a good matter. I speak of the things which I have made touching the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. And he said, Thou art fairer. This is what his tongue spoke about Christ. Thou art fairer than the children of men. Grace is poured into thy lips. Therefore God hath blessed thee forever. Nobody could speak like Jesus. Nobody. A beautiful, this is a beautiful prophetic picture of Jesus as he, David, speaks with the tongue of a ready writer and he speaks of grace poured upon Christ's lips and blessing was eternal forever. They said about Jesus, when they went to try to find some kind of a wrong in Him, they came back and they said, and you could just write it down, but John 7 verse 45 and 46 John 7, verse 45 and 46. 
so thankful for this big Bible. Amen. I can see it without my glasses. Well, maybe not. Amen. But John 7, 45 and 46 says, Then came the officers the officers to the chief priests and the Pharisees, and they said unto him, Why have you not brought him? And the officers answered, Never man spake like this man. Nobody speaks like him. <laughs> He's got a tongue with grace. He's got, I'm telling you, how, how could you? You know, and so no one ever spoke like this man. God gave it, the tongue of the learned. It says in Isaiah 54, 50 verse 4, God gave the tongue of the learned to speak a word in due season to the weary. And He speaks to us always. He's always speaking to the weary. He's speaking to us the tongue of the learned. And He gives us by His Spirit the tongue of the learned. We can speak life. We can speak powerfully. We can speak hope. We can speak grace. We can speak forgiveness. Can this type of sanctified tongue be our experience and our life of obedience. Yes, it can, but not without the Holy Ghost. Stephen was filled and full of the Holy Ghost. I'm giving you an example. We know Christ and everything that He spoke in the Gospels. We know the kind of caliber of message and anointing they said the two men on the road to Emmaus did not our hearts burn within us he spoke we didn't even know who he was until he broke bread then we realized it was Jesus he spoke and it was so powerful but nobody ever spoke like him but Stephen did speak in Acts chapter 6 and 7 and they could not resist him the Bible says in Acts 6 verse 10 and in Acts 7 verse 54, they were so cut to the heart that they gnashed with their teeth and they ran and they stoned Him because He was so full of the Holy Ghost when He spoke. He was so powerful and potent and it dealt with people's lives and their hearts and it did what it was supposed to do. The tongue spoke life, but it also spoke truth. We need to make much better use of our tongue let the Holy Ghost possess that little member. Amen. We'll get into later about the, where the Bible talks about the negatives in James of the tongue. Even some scriptures in Proverbs and in Psalms. We'll read about that. We'll discuss that. We'll preach about that. But I just want to say to you that we need to make much better use of our tongue. And God, by His Holy Ghost, can possess that little guy. Amen. And bring it under subjection. Because others' hope in Jesus, others' salvation, or others' hearing of the message of the gospel is contingent upon what we speak. Give me Bible, Pastor. All right. Romans 10, he said, How shall they hear except there be a preacher? How can there be a preacher except he be sent? There has to be somebody to speak. That's why Jesus said, go into all the world, preach the gospel. That's how they're going to hear. I've said it time and time again. Christ is the answer for us for redemption. But this world, I can tell you, the answer to them is a church full of God. 
full of the Holy Ghost, full of the message of Christ. Of course, He redeems the whole world. I'm not saying it's, it's, it's upon us for, for salvation for them. What I'm saying is if we don't preach it, how will they know? The tongue, God gave us that Holy Ghost-filled tongue to minister, to share what God has done in us. And we should always share our testimonies and what Christ has done. And we should always have that kind of conversation that's holy and pure, that no matter where we're at, we can talk to somebody about God. Others hope in Jesus. I can tell you, a lot of it, for the most part, hinges upon us speaking the truth and the gospel to them. Our own future is in what we confess by faith. So I pray tonight that we ask God, Lord, heal my tongue. And I pray if you didn't get anything else out of the message that I spoke tonight, I want you to get this. That God puts a huge, huge responsibility upon us as Christians to bring this guy under subjection. It has so many different possibilities. It can speak life. It can speak death. It can speak hope. It can speak, you know, pain or pain or sorrow, or it can speak hope or joy. It, you know, it can speak into people for their lives spiritually. It just, we can communicate. It's just so, I just so registered, it's so registered in my mind and it so spoke to me. And God said, tell the people tonight so that they understand that I put a huge responsibility on communication. It's all through that Bible. And it'll take three, probably three messages before we get it all done of all the scriptures and all the truths. But we need our tongue to be sanctified and to be a holy tongue, a healed tongue. Because we can be a well of life or we can be a, a, a pit of destruction. And I don't want to be that. I want to be a person that builds people up and that ministers truth. I want to worship God with this tongue. I don't want to tear somebody down. So I hope and pray that you felt a conviction in your heart tonight. Lord, what I say, every word, every idle word is recorded in heaven. Every idle word i got to give an account for. Every time I talked bad to that wife, every time I said something to that husband, every time that I spoke to those kids, every time that I screamed at somebody that didn't do what I wanted them to do in a retail setting, and I, I, I made somebody feel so, so I got angry, I got whatever. Every time I did that, God said, we got to give an account for that. Now, thank God for grace and forgiveness, but still, I want you to know something. We're responsible. So take that message tonight. Say, Jesus spoke like nobody else spoke. Let me speak. Let me love. Let this tongue be sanctified. We have to preach it so that we know what we need to live and what we need to obey. We'll never know if it's not preached. And that's why God said, I want you to preach it. Because not only does the tongue need to be sanctified, but once you understand that, you'll realize you'll pray differently. You will pray differently. You will talk differently. You will be choice with your words and not just have, you know, pyorrhea of the mouth. Amen. Some people just talk too much. God's trying to talk to us.
And he did say one thing to me. He said, before that church is going to go into another phase, you listen to me, children. Okay? He said, before I'm going to move that church into another phase, he said, there's some things that I have to change in that building. And he said, so you start preaching it. He said, because if we're going to go to the next level, I can't have 10 spies saying no and two spies saying yes. We got to be in unity in what we speak. We got to be in unity in heart. We got to be in unity in this place on every level. God commands the blessing at that point, but he spoke to me specifically in prayer, just like that. It was just a blip. And he said, the church has to be unified. You can't go into the promised land ununified. And he said, I'm not wanting to take two out of the 10 or two, two out of the 12. I want to take the whole group. I want everybody to go that direction. Amen.